Welcome back to DC Cinematic Minute, the daily podcast in which we analyze Zack Snyder's Justice League by each individual minute. My name is Mark, and you can find me on all social media at Mark Meadows. And my name is Nathan. You can find me on all social media at No Clutch Nate. And today we're going to be talking about minute number 40-40 of Zack Snyder's Justice League. We're just going to start with Batman disagreeing with what Alfred is saying. And then the minutes are going to end with a Mr. Silas Stone uh, clocking out of work and leaving Star Labs, or at least getting ready to in this minute. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, let's let's talk about what Bruce is disagreeing with Alfred about, or Batman, if that's how you refer to the character. We call it uh, Batman's retort, so. Yeah, So <laughs> so what he's saying here is, um, you know, Alfred was saying in the last minute that this this idea that they're bringing a team together is because of Lex Luthor saying, uh, mentioning that there's this impending doom that's about to happen to Earth. And Batman here is saying, this has nothing to do with Lex Luthor. This has to do with him. Which, again, what we spoke in the last minute about Darkseid is uh, it's like, almost like saying him with a capital H because it's like, oh, we know exactly who you're talking about. And it's him. Uh, so, but in this case, we're talking about uh, the, what did you say, the ultimate devil? The ultimate god, maybe? is Ultimate uh, super- devil. Oh, okay. okay. Hey. Is uh, Superman here. You think a lot of people get upset about that? Uh, I think a lot of people get upset about a lot of things, so. Well, that, I mean, that's for true. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyways. I haven't used that in a while, Nate. I, I'm glad you said that. For true? <laughs> that's for true. <laughs> Oh, uh, that's funny. I like unlocked a memory in my head. He used yeah. to say that. <laughs> he used to say that a lot. But anyways, yeah. Uh, this this is where Batman says it. this has to do with him, the Superman. You know, uh, making it up to him. This is where we get that exposition of of why Batman is doing the things that he's doing. We know that because we spent so much time, even before this movie came out, and even before the first version of this movie came out. With Dawn of Justice, we knew that this was the road that he was going to be on. Like, he's now, he feels indebted to the person who has died for his sins, basically. And like, I must do this. I, He says here, I spent a lot of times dividing us. I need to now bring us together. And which, what he said in the last movie was, uh, you know, men are still good. We, we fight, we kill, we betray one another. But we can be better. We have to. And that was... That was his whole thing in the last movie. He was a villain. He was a bad guy. He was the heel of the movie uh, to, to Superman being the protagonist. And so he's like, I, listen, I've, I've been a bad person. I've got to make up for the wrongs in my life. I've got to repent for my sins, basically. And sure, it all sounds, you know, uh, religious stuff. And I may not feel that way spirit- spiritually, but I understand that mythology being written for a superhero being written for a mythological character which is batman even though he is a mortal man you're still making a mythological character out of batman and so this protagonist is now like oh i i have to be better than what i once was i'm i'm haunted by the ghosts of my past i I can't be this way anymore it's fantastic it's it's a great setup for the character it makes batman that much more interesting instead of just being like, oh, we'll make him like he was in 
the animated series and the Justice League animated series and and the and the Batman movies that came before him and the, and the Batman comic books that I read because I I know Batman more than the writers writing him. It's like you understand those versions of Batman because those writers who wrote those stories made their own mythology and their own backstories for those Batman characters. And so you understand those characters because those writers wrote that road for you. Now this is another Batman that you have to understand where his past has come from and his development and his design, his myth- his mythology here. And so with us who are more open to this interpretation of Batman, yeah, it may not be the Batman we write, but damn, is this a really good Batman and mm-hmm. a really good motivation, especially considering that Batman and Superman are in the same movie here. Like this is a, this is not a Batman movie. This is a, a movie where the two characters are interacting with each other. And it's more, it's more than just, Oh, we have the two heroes in the movie and you know, it's not all going to work out. It's like, how is it not going to work out? Well, you know, there's this long history of, of Batman being against Superman and being against his ideologies. And then, having to now repent for it. It's like there's so much that has been built upon in just two movies that it's like, I'm in it. I understand exactly what's going on here. And if, you, if you're not, if you're new here, this is the minute that helps you get there. Like just reiterates everything that we've gone through. And what was it, what, what's it now? Five years since Dawn of Justice came out? It's a lot of time that we spent <laughs> interpreting that movie to get here. And so this is the good stuff when we're, when you and I are watching this for the first time, just being like, yeah, this is the Batman I knew. This is the Batman I expected going into this movie because this is the road that we're supposed to be on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think you said it perfectly right there. It's the Batman that we expected. I mean, yeah. And just agreeing with what you said. Yeah. We spent a lot of time discussing and analyzing and figuring out what this character is and, you know, for, foreseeing the path that he's going to take. And, um, I I don't know any other way to describe it other than repenting or uh, making amends type of thing. And it seems like that is, I was going to try to compare it or or to see if there was a comparison to just this Batman in general and just, and, and this iteration of him. Is he always like having that mindset after something bad happens and I guess the only other thing yeah. we have is just, uh, yes, we have the Black Zero event and him, you know, eyes full of fire and, and rage and hate against uh, Superman. But, uh, and then this is a bigger question. Um, does he have that same mentality when you talk about, you know, his Robin dying? Um, was there any repentance that he did at that point? Was he trying to do anything or was it all just, you know, by give up? throwing the gloves like we're we're done we're stooped to their level type thing yeah um i think the latter but uh just because we don't have any evidence of him trying to make amends to uh a deceased robin yeah no i i i think you're right i think you're right about you know d all of the above because you said it in yesterday's minute but it's like batman has this need to be in control about everything because the last time he lost control or every time he, he wasn't in control of the situation there has been death death in his like blood on his hands like you let your family die type of thing his parents robin uh jack from the wayne tower building like all these social these interconnected these social relationships that he's had 
whenever those people have died, he's felt like it's his fault. And now he feels at fault for the death of Superman because he could have helped a lot sooner. He could have been helpful, period, but he wasn't. And so Superman is dead. Uh, He could have been a better father figure for Robin, but now he's dead. We don't know what the context is. Um, At least, well, you know, I'm not going to get into the Robin theory, but yeah, Robin is no longer with us either. And the joke's on Batman for that. And then the death of his parents, you know, he, sometimes he feels like he could have done something and he blames himself for it. And so he's always haunted by that, by that fear of death. It's like the, the thing that he fears uh, almost above all else is the fear of death because he, he's too, too scared to die. And I think Joker talks about that a little bit. In, oh yeah 100 percent. which like, i have that's a whole different bear that i will love to talk about when we yeah. get to that point um but yeah it's there, there is a common theme to this batman trying to just correct uh you know things and yeah. um i don't know if we necessarily you know well that's that's definitely not really a thing that you see in like a bruce tim batman um because that whole met mindset is you're doing it right the first time you have all the information, you plan this out heavily and in advance. And so like when you do your thing, you already know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I feel like I've kind of adapted that mindset, especially reading like, um, you know, the newer Batman stuff where he does have a contingency plan for everything. there, There always is, he always knows what the outcome is going to be always. And, uh, it's fun seeing these types of stories where, this Batman doesn't know what the hell he's doing. He may yeah. think he knows what he's doing, but no, we're watching it. He doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's the thing we'll have to get later in. Um, man, I feel like this is starting to, to get into that that end credit scene, or at least the end of the movie. So maybe I should save some theories, but I think I know what needs to happen. So we'll put a pin in that because I don't want to spoil my theories just yet um but i think i know exactly how zach snyder wanted to to end this uh trilogy of the the justice league or quintology if you include man of steel and dawn of justice but he pulls from a lot of source material like that's the great thing about this dc cinematic universe is that it's all pulling in every story every big comic book story of batman and the justice league and everything and making it its own thought out f- streamlined version of the DC cinematic uh, history. So I, I'm pretty sure exactly which source material he would be pulling from for how to end the story of Batman. So with that being said, we'll, we'll put a pin in that and come to it later. But uh, you know, Alfred here in this minute, he says, uh, but since L- Luther's warning, there hasn't been anything. There's been no danger, no barbarians at the gate thought that was interesting so i was thinking i wonder where that's from i know there's some like wall street book or movie about called barbarians at the gate but i was thinking like where does that come from uh so i was trying to look this up and see if it was pulling from uh you know shakespeare or or some other arthurian mythos something like that and the only thing i got was um this person on the internet as you look up information on the internet, as you do, uh, was saying that it wasn't likely popularized by the 18th century. 
histori- historiographer Edward Gibbon, who used it as a metaphor for the migration and invasion of German and Slavic people into the Roman Empire during the 4th and 15th century AD. So this is, we talked about this before, but this was the wars that were talked about in the beginning of Gladiator, where the Roman Empire is defeating these Germanic tribes. Um, And I always forget what the the name of the wars are called. I think it's like the Pyrrhic Wars or something like that. Um, But this is where you have a bunch of German tribes. They were always trying to invade Rome. And they they did it so many times. And uh, eventually that's when uh, Rome finally defeated them and also like stomped out uh, like German paganism and stuff like that. But uh, yeah, I thought that was pretty interesting. So I always wanted to look that up because I didn't want to miss the opportunity to see if there was more uh, Easter eggs of, of King Arthur and stuff like that. You referenced the beginning of Gladiator and that I completely forgot about that whole beginning part where they're setting up the camp and and um that whole thing how many times have you seen that movie do you know that movie pretty well well i saw uh i've seen it a few times not too many times but uh i i saw it in my like world history class in high school Mm -hmm. and i remember that being like oh that's oh it's the second marco manic war that's what it's called uh, I think that's what it was called. Marco Manic. That sounds like a like a party that you're gonna throw. <laughs> oh yeah, it's my Marco Manic party. Come on, yeah. come on through. I don't. Uh, well, I don't know if you could. No, you gotta start like having like you know. I think it was also called the German and some Sarmatian War. Um, but yeah, it was. Uh, I don't know. We'll we'll get into it later. But yeah, I I learned about this from world history class and and so that's why that part stuck with me because i was fascinated about i'm always fascinated with with wars i like to see the travel route it's like you're playing risk right yeah and you exactly. see the, the the map and you're like okay and this country this country invaded this way yeah. and this country invaded that way and uh world war ii also is very fascinating because you see like oh this is where the allied forces went this is where the axis forces went and this that and the other so stuff like that always fascinates me so yeah the beginning of gladiators i to me is the most memorable part because that's the only part i can think about is how rome fought all those german germanic tribes uh so i bring it up often uh so just a little cool little history thing right there for you i don't know if that does anything for anyone else but it is pretty interesting that alfred says no barbarians at the gate Mm -hmm. um not sure i agree with what batman says about maybe these barbarians don't use a gate maybe they're already here couldn't tell you what that means in the context because steppenwolf's got a boom tube and uh i really don't understand the context there it made it that line makes more sense in the 2017 version because we are told that parademons have been on earth sniffing around from other boxes for a little bit longer before steppenwolf's invasion there were yeah. like parademon scouts, um, and people were being abducted, like you know, way before uh, this has been going on. So, uh, possibly, 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 maybe, that, possibly, maybe, par- that's the same story where parademons have been here before Steppenwolf, like the 
the boom tube opening in the cage on Themyscira and all the parademons coming out, those may not have been the first parademons, you know? But yeah. also, that doesn't make sense because... The barbarians wouldn't be using a gate. The gate would be stopping the barbarians. Like the- Okay, fundamental. yeah, that's... <laughs> yeah, logically speaking, of course, um... When you say barbarians use a gate, I'm thinking like the boom tube. And it's like, well, Steppenwolf definitely has a boom tube. Yes. Uh, then there's like the literal take that you can have for or there are no, there's no barbarians at the gates. Maybe these barbarians don't use a gate. Well, it's like, well, you can call a boom they, tube a gate. Like that is some sort a, of a gate. It's some sort of stargate, if you will. Yeah. Hey, nice call. Um, yes. But uh, the whole like, what if they're already here is... Uh, maybe a reference to the mother boxes themselves. Technically, that's a gate, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, anything's a door, you know. <laughs> anything's a door if you think if you can punch your way through it. Anything's mm-hmm. a door. Um, yeah. So I think maybe 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 it's an allusion to the mother boxes. Um, yeah. Sometimes I do think like Chris Terrio loves writing Alfred, and and sometimes. Uh, uh batman i almost said ben affleck uh sometimes batman is is, is kind of like a the supporting character to in in terms of writing it's like oh i, I want to write these lines for alfred first and then i'll figure out what to write for batman yeah and it's like well batman has to have the last laugh um but you know um so that's that's pretty much it for that scene then we're going to cut over to metropolis and get introduced to some more new characters who are not the justice league again and this time it is Mr. Silas Stone, played by Joe Morton. Also, you know, most of us also know him as uh, Miles Dyson from Terminator, playing the same exact role of crazy scientist or unhinged scientist. Um, and if you don't know, uh, Joe Morton is famously known for playing Miles Dyson in Terminator 2 or T2 Judgment Day, uh, where he was the uh, original inventor of the the kind of like the microchip that would make skynet or or create the ai itself uh so fooling around with that technology we also have him fooling around fooling around with this technology with the mother box in star labs and i gotta say i love coming back here to star labs every single time i just love i love how within these three movies of man of steel the ship crashing into metropolis doomsday coming out of this thing in metropolis and then coming back to this where Star Labs still works and Cyborg was born here as well, we keep coming back to the same location. And I like that. I like that we can keep using the same real estate that we've created and like branching out from there. Like, oh, let's revisit the mascara from Wonder Woman. Oh, let's revisit uh, Star Labs and Metropolis. Like revisiting these places is, is so cool. And um and then even now, when you when you think of Aquaman the movie and and this movie, there's so much of Aquaman's oceanic world that it's like, oh, this all just feels the same and familiar. And so it's like, yeah, now I now I want to go watch that movie again. Now I want to go watch this movie again because it's all so deeply connected because it's written and directed by almost the same team. So it's really nice. I love coming back here. I even was looking at Star Labs here in the beginning. Just because I wanted to see, like, oh, there should be a, a, a hole somewhere in the ship where Doomsday popped out of uh, when he was born. And, you know, we know Heroes Park is, is, is right down that road there. So 
I love it. I love coming back here. I love seeing the same stuff over and over again. Within context, of course. Within context, of course. So what is your thought about just having pop-up shop star labs here? It makes a lot of sense. It does, doesn't it? Yeah. It makes more sense than like having to introduce star labs like facility and like having to make it a big thing and, and, and being like sticking out like a sore thumb. Like this here makes sense that the alien ship crashed and then a special science division would come in and be like, we're star labs, flash the badge and then like build on top of the thing Mm -hmm. because that's how a secret, uh, government organization should operate it's like no one needs to know about us until this is too exposed and like perry white says like if people knew that aliens exist if that was out there it would change the world and so Mm -hmm. now star labs is like well cat's out of the bag got a here we are we're star labs we deal with uh you know extraterrestrial technology so uh we're gonna take this spaceship now yeah (laughs) I have a question. Go for it. Did we ever figure out what this building... I'm sorry. Did we ever figure out what this building in the background with the uh, the diamond, the diamond lights on the front of it are? I have it's, no it's idea. It's a lot. And I know it's like a landmark for Metropolis. Um, but I didn't know if they ever said like what that building is actually in universe. Just so like... I mean, I know it's just like a, hey, this is Metropolis. Why do we make this building with a diamond on the light and make it like, you know, so visible? Well, it's because it's... My guess is that, and I'm sure someone who lives in these cities might know better, but because, so they shot Man of Steel in Chicago, and I don't know if they shot in Chicago for Dawn of Justice again, or if they shot in Detroit, because I know they shot in Michigan for the nightmare sequence uh, in in a rock quarry. My guess is that it's a famous building in one of those cities. Like, it's an actual Chicago building. Okay. And it's, like, kind of famous. There was a bunch of Sears Towers. I don't know what that tower is called anymore. It's called something else now. But uh, the famous Chicago Sears Tower, uh, there was a bunch of them in Metropolis. They, like, copy and pasted a bunch of them in there. Uh, that like would be my guess. the building guess. itself they copy and pasted? Like, it looks just like it? Like, the Sears Tower from Chicago? There was like, in real life. There was, like, ten of them in Man of Steel. Uh, weird yeah when man when when man of steel when superman is fighting general zod there's like you can see like there's a handful of them that look that way um and i that's what that one might i think about it all the time too nate when i see this shot every time we go to heroes park i see that diamond building and i go that looks like it might be something and because we do the minute by minute podcast that's my only thought it's like it has to be something because i keep having to stare at it Maybe it's Lois's uh, apartment building. Oh yeah, she lives right there in the diamond. <laughs> How right do you live? <laughs> yeah, yeah, with the fucking vaulted ceiling because yeah. it goes up at an angle. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that that that's yeah. I mean, it's a diamond. Superman has a diamond on his chest. You know, could be a, could be a stretch. Could be could be reaching there. That's a stretch. <laughs> He's got a shield on. Make his chest, it a super a stretch. Come on now. Okay, do the whole. People can't see me, but I was doing the how <laughs> how he raises his hands up to block the light. But I don't know what he does. 
three fingers or something like Who, that. Who, Steven Tyler? Steven Tyler on the ride, and he's like, who's that? And he, like, holds up his fingers, like, in, like, like a gang symbol to, like, block out the light, but that's not doing anything. Because he's just that cool. He's just that cool. He is that, just that cool. He's um, Steven Tyler. But, the, yeah, that's all, that's, that's all I had for, for Silas Stone here. There's not much of him here, just that we get introduced to the character. Um, I don't know if you have any other notes, Nate. Not particularly. Um, I think that's it. We get a lot more Silas Stone, and I think we're going to talk a little bit more in depth about Silas Stone and Star Labs. Uh, yeah. You know, next week when we when we get full minutes of in the lab. Yeah, we might actually get uh, some Cyborg Two. We'll have to find out, which would be very interesting. We haven't talked Whoa, about that. They're making guy. a second Cyborg. There's Cyborg Two now. I didn't see the oh. first one. You haven't seen Cyborg One yet, man. I didn't see Cyborg One. Hey, where's my cyborg movie, by the way? Yeah, that's for true. But anyways, we're going to go ahead and wrap up for today. If you guys enjoyed everything you heard, you can find us on all social media at DCEU Minutes and the Facebook group, the DC Cinematic Minute Listener Society. You can join us to talk about today's minute or any minutes you guys are catching up on. And we'll catch you guys tomorrow. No, wait, we'll catch you guys on Monday because today is Friday. So we'll catch you guys on Monday for minutes number 41 of Zack Snyder's Justice League.